All right, guys, we got a new Jubilee Middle Ground episode, and it is titled All Cops Are Bastards? Question mark? Police versus Criminals Middle Ground. And that's what we're going to be reacting to today. Let's get into it. <laughs> I don't have the intro video for you guys. <laughs> Uh, I think, anyway, whatever. You guys don't need the intro video. We're fine. We're going to react to this uh, middle ground video. <laughs> I am fired. This is my last day at Prager, you guys. Thank you for joining the show. We're going to do something a little bit different today. I want to let you guys in on the changes that are being made. Your super chats, although we love them very, very much, are keeping us here quite late on the show. It's adding on about an hour to the show. So we do have to start instating some uh, minimums for super chats to be read at the end of the show. It's going to be a $5 minimum for the super chats and we will read those, uh, anything above $5 at the end of the show. If you'd like to be uh, read immediately as a super chat, we're gonna put a 50 buck minimum on that. So if you send $50 in your super chat, if you want to, you do not have to, your super chat will be read immediately. Guys, let's get into this, but before we do, please like and subscribe. We want as many of you to subscribe to this channel as possible, and I noticed a lot of you are watching these videos without being subscribed. What, do you not, do you not love me? What's going on? What's going on, guys? If you love me, hit the subscribe button. <laughs> now let's watch this Jubilee Middle Ground. Just because you're a cop, why should you have the right to tote a gun around just because you have a badge? And you're saying we shouldn't be armed. You shouldn't have guns at all. Okay, next time there's an active shooter going into a university, then we're just gonna let him shoot all the students. You know what? Um, I can't do this. This episode my wife. Ooh, it's getting dramatic already. I should also mention Taylor's here in Nashville. Oh, hey, hey, hey. Happy Wednesday. <laughs> and Scott's in the producer's bay. What's up, everyone? <laughs> yeah, if you heard me fire Amala a few minutes ago, that, that was my voice. Yeah, so. it just wasn't some like omniscient presence. It was Taylor. Uh, <laughs> let's let's keep reacting. Okay. Cops versus ex-convicts. Step forward if you agree with the prompt. Cops should not carry guns. Dude, that's fascinating. What an interesting uh, prompt to start off with. Of course, I do not agree with this. I'm going to stand back and disagree. Uh, there is no world, at least not in this country, <laughs> where cops do not carry guns on them to just mitigate the different things that happen. You all know that I've done many a ride along with the LA Police Department here, and if they didn't have guns, I wouldn't. I would never go on a ride along. I would be so worried to be around some of the places that they go to and some of the calls that they respond to without them having a firearm on them. And it's not to be antagonistic or to escalate situations, although sometimes that happens. It's really to just set you at ease in knowing that anything could happen in these places that you show up at and you want to be prepared uh, to the fullest extent and that involves a firearm in my opinion taylor i mean with the right amount of social worker training it's basically <laughs> the same as having a firearm am i right so de-escalate 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 de-escalation tactics <laughs> yeah I, this is an absurd question i this should be like the shortest question in the history of jubilee of course uh police officers need firearms okay and scott yeah, no, I'm I'm right in line with you guys here. It's like, what is this, Europe? Like, yeah. you're just going to ask them to please calm down, you know? Right. Stay strapped, baby. Okay, let's keep watching. <laughs> okay, one person's walking forward. I mean, there are so many countries in this world that do Dude. not have this level of violence within its law enforcement department or any other department. <clears throat> Guns themselves are not the issue. It's the finger behind the gun because you don't know the mentality, the mind, you know, the um, heart of the person and people, things trigger people and they snap mm. and no one exempt. Police officers are human beings too. They can snap. If you took. 
So she kind of walked, she walked forward and agreed, but sort of negated her argument in a sense and saying, you know, other countries don't necessarily have this problem with police violence. And that is questionable, uh, by the way. If you're looking at some of the protests that are happening right now in France, a lot of people are going to say it's just because of that two years tacked onto the retirement age. But a lot of these activists who are out on the streets are talking about police brutality. Now, as far as how valid those arguments are, saying that police brutality is running rampant in France, I do not know whether or not that's the case. So I cannot speak to that. But even in countries where she's maybe speculating that they don't have this problem with police brutality, do the cops carry guns? I think so. I think they do uh, in, in, most, in most countries. Guns away from the uniform, I guarantee you like half of them would not be there working. No, you know? it's the power. If you had the struggle to, to submit a, um, a perpetrator and to, like actually do work, police work, like it's, it's not just about reaching for your gun 99% of the time. Mm. So it's like if the gun wasn't part of the uniform, a lot of them wouldn't, wouldn't take that enabling role that they want to take as officers, you know? That's an interesting thought. And you know what? I'm not going to say that what he ne what he just said is is false. It, it's just about the numbers game here. I don't know that the majority of police officers would not be in their position if they didn't have uh, didn't have firearms. If that what were the case, it would be because they didn't feel safe taking on the position without having a firearm on them. Like I said, some of the calls that these people respond to are completely unimaginable. You have no idea what's going to happen, who's going to be there, how violent uh, these perpetrators are. And sometimes you're called to nonviolent disputes and you get there and all of a sudden uh, there is a firearm in your face or you've been shot or you've been stabbed. There's a multitude of things that can happen. So if cops weren't allowed to have guns, I would say that, yeah, a lot of cops would most likely leave the force, but not necessarily because they're power hungry, because they don't feel safe in protecting themselves in a job where a firearm uh, in many instances is necessary. Now, would there be cops who go, you know what, I don't get to exert power over people and force over people and therefore I'm not going to do the job anymore? Sure. I think there would be people who do that. Would it constitute a majority of law enforcement officers? Not in my opinion, no. Right in front of my building, I was harmed by an older person, older man. When I got away, I went to the police. The detective took me to the hospital. Everything checked me out. You know what the <laughs> police officer did? With the, having a gun and everything else, pulled me over, saying he was taking me back home, pulled me over on a dark side, of a street and raped me. Terrific. Because of the, the uniform, the badge, and the gun that made me freeze. But you, as a police officer, saying that you were here to protect and to serve, you allowed your power, your, your uniform, you got everything else to think, to make you think that that was okay. And this happens a lot. It happens a lot. They want to abuse other people. They want to you know, tyrants over other people, so they choose jobs like that. Like, what? if you want to help other people, why can't you go be a humanitarian? There's oceans to clean up. Instead, like, everybody just wants to be out here taking rights away from others and abusing people and getting guns. And the moment that, your moment, the moment you start copying that attitude, literally click. Let's, let's go. But you know, I don't want to. I just want to talk, speak to her story for a second. Horrific. 
terrifying, the worst possible thing that could probably have happened to her in that situation, outside of what, being murdered by, by this guy. It's horrible. And in any position that you see somebody working, you will find abuses of power. I mean, it happens in every single field in, in this country and in any other country. People abuse their positions of power. Are, do we think that police are safe from abusing their positions of power? Absolutely not. There are going to be police officers like this. What I can say, and uh, I'll, I'll go back to an instance of having uh, worked with the LAPD. They had a cop within one of their departments that was uh, mistreating children that they were working with in some of their uh, charity groups and projects with with children in these neighborhoods, trying to help them with their education, help them uh, get into college, all these different things. They had a cop who was abusing children. And what happened when the other police officers found out? Done. Instantly. And I will say the process for firing a cop, at least in the department that I've seen, is not the best process they because they there's so many uh, structures for for protecting them that it is takes a long time to go through and investigate an issue like this even though people know that this stuff is happening to decide whether or not they're on leave whether or not they're fired this that whatever but what I will say is every single police officer that I heard the story from about the cop that was abusing their power just like what happened to this lady they are disgusted and they say there is nothing worse. Uh, than having a, a bad cop on your force. The people who hate bad cops the most are good ones who are simply trying to do their job because stories like this, horrific stories like this, go on to paint the entire profession. So when this guy goes on to say they want to abuse their power, they are taking this position in order to do that, who is they? Because you can speak to the individual instances and run-ins that you've had with police officers, but that by no means should be something that you use to paint the entire profession. As, as corrupt, although these experiences are horrifying. Uh, I don't want to do that to them as they do it to us. Can the disagree step forward? Your wearable health and fitness coach now tracks... How do I have ads on here? We're on our premium <laughs> account. Okay. Disagree or step forward. If someone else has a gun, you got to defend yourself too. You know, just the way you use it. I'm not saying that you should use guns, but... I mean, if you have a gun, then you have to use it, of course, but not use it just for traffic stops or, or people with mental illnesses, stuff like that. That's, the, that's out. If they have a knife or a, a, a stick or, you know, or a fork like that, doesn't justify anybody getting shot. So you're for having armed mm -hmm. police officers? Yeah, just to, if that. someone else has a gun. Yeah. If someone else. I believe that y'all should be armed because I believe in the Constitution. I don't believe in the policing that the police force has done throughout many communities I've been in, but I do believe in rights versus laws, and I do believe that there are dangerous scenes that you go to where it is required to use them. So I have to agree that part of your, like he said, his tool belt needs to include a pistol. Okay, good, because I was about to challenge you both and say, okay, so you mean to tell me that what happened at Michigan State University with an active shooter killing five students, or Ubaldi, where they went into an elementary school and killed children. The Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook, what happened over 10 years ago. You're sitting there telling us that we shouldn't be carrying firearms? Yeah, you shouldn't. Like Oof, okay. So I 
can already feel an energy coming off this guy uh, and you can tell he's very upset by it's just simply them walking forward on that state on that and you know it's hard you you should try to stay a little bit calmer and trying to have these conversations I get that it's hard he's probably seen some shit in his time uh, and is listening to people say you shouldn't be able to carry firearms and they probably have no idea what he's going through in uh, his daily life, much like he has no idea what experiences that they've had with law enforcement. So it's a really difficult conversation to to have uh, in front of each other. If you guys are just traffic cops and stuff like that, you guys shouldn't. Yeah, you're not answering my question. Like I said, I'm just going based on what you said. You exactly. call me a predator. I'm like, I never yeah. done that in my life, right? Mm -hmm. I've been in situations where I've been shot at. I had two members of my department die in the last two months, See? I've been in situations where I've needed my firearm, I've needed every tool of my belt in my career. If you would go out and then see half of the stuff I see, you may change your perception That's about true. what you see. It's it's dangerous. So you can't call for backup? What does me calling for backup have to <laughs> no. do with this? So with if, you work, if you work county, okay, say in my Which area. I'm a county cop. Right, and, and in my area, I mean, you have miles and miles of nothing around you. Your closest partner is maybe, maybe if you're lucky, 20 minutes away. Okay. In the meantime, I've got somebody that's, that has me at gunpoint, and if I don't have a gun on my hip, I'm dead. I am a dead man walking because I have nothing that can go up against another gun. But how do you think felons feel? There's tasers, pepper balls, like... Societal issues are not on... How do you think felons feel? I was missing the point that was being... That was being made there. How do you think felons feel? Uh, let me talk about the guy in the, the denim jacket, the uh, ex-con in the denim jacket. First of all, he, he makes this statement of, oh, well, I'm just talking about at traffic stops. Y'all don't think traffic stops turn crazy and that sometimes you need a firearm at a traffic stop? I don't know if y'all have seen videos of police officers pulling people over. They head over to the window of a traffic stop. Boom, shot in the face. Shot right in the face. Or boom, guy gets out of the car and he's got a rifle in his car or has a knife or is trying to uh, escalate the situation, is trying to run the cop over. There are so many instances where you might think this is going to be a routine traffic stop and why would anything happen here? But somebody escalates the situation. You have no idea whose car you are walking up to or who you are walking up to when you pull somebody over for a traffic stop. Anything could happen to you. Now, should we train police officers to have a strong sense of discernment of when to put their hand on that firearm, when to pull the firearm, and especially when to pull the trigger? Absolutely. But do they have a right as police officers to be able to carry firearms just based on the situations they're running into? Of course. And he says, why don't you call for backup? Huh? <laughs> like, what? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. When, so you want them to fight off somebody who has probably maybe a firearm, maybe a knife, whatever, whatever it is, even their own two hands can kill somebody. You want them to be able to fend that off while they're waiting for somebody else to come and respond. Somebody who's trying to do the good civilized thing and to just give a sense of law and order to their community. You want them to have to wait for backup in order to protect themselves. And what's the backup going to bring? Because they won't have guns either. So we're just supposed to bring enough manpower to subdue somebody who's trying to kill a police officer. How many police officers would that take? Because if we're arguing that we want to defund the police and lower the amount of police involvement in our communities, the worst thing you could do is take away their firearms. Now you're going to need five plus cops for every single situation they have to go and respond to.
it the just whole makes no the sense. whole purpose of having a police force is so that the police have a monopoly on violence so you don't have anarchy and chaos and people can just do whatever they see fit and uh take advantage of other people because they're armed or because they're willing to perpetrate violence the police are the ones that are that are the uh referee on the field that says no you're not allowed to uh perpetrate violence against another citizen we have a monopoly on violence. You're you're done. Sit down. And if you don't have that, then you, you you're opening the door to anarchy. So it's it's you know we're talking about these different instances of uh, individualized police brutality or these bad stories. But the existence of these stories is a separate question from the principle of the matter at hand, which is should the police have a monopoly on violence and is policing even necessary? And of course it is, because without that, you just have anarchy. And just for the record, monopoly on violence doesn't mean they get to go and be violent towards you in every way right, they, they see fit. I know people are going to like write monopoly on violence in the comments. <laughs> That's not what that means. <laughs> it just means they have a certain sense of control over what happens in these situations. On the police. Like, I'm not stripping you of your rights, right? That is not, I, you can vote. I don't give a shit. You can vote. You can carry a gun. You can do all that. That is not my personal. That is not my job in life. My job is you've been hey, you've been accused of a crime. I got to take you to jail because that this and the third. I'm done. You're saying that mm -hmm. we should have pepper spray tasers to Michigan State University or Rivaldi? Is is that what you're saying? So you're telling me that if I'm a cop, I have no gun. But right. also, this and I'll, well, he said, he said to the community, like, maybe no, 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 that's not what maybe, he said. Maybe, maybe like, the prompt is, or should cops be unarmed? Hold on a second. You just got done watching probably the most tragic incidents in the, probably historically, Obali, may I add, just, that's kids, for crying out loud. And what you're sitting here saying is, is that we shouldn't be unarmed. What is it that you'd like me to do if someone has an AK-47 killing kids? That's my question to you. We actually have our own rights. You know, that we actually have our own rights to carry and defend ourselves in certain situations okay. like that. You know, yeah, with all due respect, that's not the, que that's, that's not the question but, but I'm asking. You want to use your body. No, I'm asking you if you were, okay, I'll ask in a different way. If you're a police officer and you have no firearms, you got your pepper spray, you have your taser, you have your, uh, your baton, and you are responding to Obaldi Elementary School where there's an active shooter with an AK-47, what are you going to do? Um, I would say that I would call for backup to the proper authorities that would be entitled to have those weapons. That Let's, so we have police and then we have police 2.0 and police 1.0 has no firearms, so they have to call police 2.0. So we just want to functionally add another five minutes to of response time to whatever disaster is coming is, is happening. So a school shooting happens, we call police 1.0, they show up to the school, they go, I'm so sorry, I can't respond to this right now because I don't have a firearm. Let me call my other friends who can come and take care of this and allow them to to show up and take care of this. So how, what's the death toll on, on that when you add however many minutes that adds to, to the situation? Call for backup, okay. Or not in, in the general community. I, I, get, what, I, get what what, what, I get what you're saying. No, but what entitled to have weapons? Who? What agency? So like, uh, like the UK. Above, you yeah, know, what are you saying? Well, like the United Kingdom, how, how United Kingdom, yeah. their special force right, and their, their, their police department have yeah. weapons, but they're yeah. regular. So why should you oh, just? Be, no, why should you have the ability to just tote around a gun? That's my question to you. What's that? My question to you is, just because you're a cop, why should you have the right to tote a gun around just because you have a badge? No, no, no. That's not what. That's not what the prompt is. The prompt is. Cops being unarmed. Cops yeah. being all yeah, of us. Yeah, but use your body. And your body, um, they took in, like over an hour to if respond me, when, when they were finish. there. He so you had Fair point. If you guys looked into the Uvalde shooting and what police officers did when they showed up, that was... 
that was a mess. But, you know, I digress. They were they had a job that they were meant to do in a more timely fashion. What I'm saying is that he's saying cops. Cops is a very when you say cops to me, you're talking everybody, every single cop. Okay, and you're saying we shouldn't be unarmed. Okay, you shouldn't have guns at all. Okay, so you. It's just so he's not substantiating anything he's saying, and the way that he speaks makes me understand that he has no idea the way the police departments works. I don't even think he knows what a cop is. I don't know if he's thinking just like a rookie beat cop who's going around and and uh, you know is is fulfilling traffic stops and everything. You have no idea how these departments work, how they're broken up, which cops are working in which division. That you know detectives or cops as well. Oh goodness gracious! You know what? Next time uh, there's a big uh, active shooter going into a university, then. I, I guess we're not, we're, we're just going to let him shoot all the students. So I have a question for you. So all the other, all those countries that don't have their um, police officers carrying guns? Not many, just so you know. Right. Oh, I know very well. That's the work that I do. Okay. So, and even been there to see that. But what I'm saying is that, have you ever thought about how those countries respond to those situations? And can we do the same? We absolutely could not do the same because we have we have criminals here, and and I'm not speaking of y'all, but there are people here that still carry regardless of if it's against the law. If you were to take guns away from illegals, criminals, people that that are not from here, I would 100% agree that officers don't need guns and that we could shooters? go. Because I, I think the mass shooters are not the ones, the immigrants, and the taking it all away. No, 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 but, and that's what, I'm just giving examples. Yeah, but I'm so just giving the, examples. She's right. I mean, yeah, so the mass shooting and all that is. A constitutional right to bear arms, right, allows everybody right. in this country no, to bear arms. Well, not everybody, rare. not everybody. Let me be specific. If you're a law-abiding citizen to carry guns, the amount of guns that we have in America, doesn't it outweigh the people that we have? Hey. These countries, they don't have a second amendment. They don't have a constitutional right to bear arms. So it's a lot easier to say, you know what? Y'all can't bear arms, so y'all can't bear arms. In this country, we can. So I'm just being, like I said, everything's anecdotal. I've been in situations where I needed my gun, and you were absolutely right. Would I do the job without one? Hell no, because I've been in situations where I needed one, and you know what? I had it. It's equal force. I'm being shot at, I'm about to shoot back. Not just, hey, I have a gun on my hip, I'm just about to, you know what, guns, 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 guns. That's not how I do my and, job. And, and the thing that popped right from that prompt is just active shooter, active shooter, active shooter. That's. Right. And it's not and even, right. to your it's question, not even to active your question, shooter. You know it's what? just being shot done, at by yeah. itself. In I haven't itself. done the research, or I don't know if there's any empirical data to know exactly in other countries how they respond to someone who has an AK 47 that goes into a building and starts killing people, and yet. We're a police force that doesn't have any farms. I don't know. I would have to do the research. For. They do have special units where they're just not out on the street where you see them all the time, 24-7. Okay. But you said something, and I want to bring it up. Hold on one sec. You said something. You said that the people with the guns are oftentimes criminals or, you know, people like that. And I want to say that those mass shootings that, are, that happen in our country are from people that pass a whole tons of background checks and um, are law-abiding to your point and all these things and all of a sudden, and that was my point earlier about when people snap or whatever might happen. And we have to be clear in identifying that because we get labeled like we're the ones doing all these mass shootings, all these things, that these horrible, egregious things. And 90, 96% of the time, yes. it is not right. a person that was 
I mean, this is just where you get into the issue of just like separating mass shooting from committing a shooting. So if we want to talk about shootings in general, the likelihood that somebody who is an ex-convict is committing a shooting is probably quite high. And this is where you get the numbers in Chicago and New York and L.A. and all these different things. Uh, If we want to just put mass shootings in their own category, which we do, uh, then, yeah, you would be looking at law abiding citizens who, you know, have mental health issues. They go and buy guns. And I think it's important to talk about both of those things, but not to just like siphon one off and say this is the only one we're going to talk about. I think both should be talked about. And to her point, should it be harder for people who are going to, you know, mentally snap and, and do something like this to get a weapon? In my opinion, yes. In my opinion, something needs to be done. I don't know what that exact thing is. If there is a better way for us to evaluate people psychologically before allowing them to to have firearms, if there were, I would probably advocate that that's the thing that uh, we should do here. But her argument is a little bit disingenuous because as soon as you take off the term mass and just talk about shootings in general, you are talking about people who are uh, often career criminals who have dedicated much of their time to, you know, misdemeanors, felonies, breaking the law in, in more ways than just going out and committing shootings. So both should be discussed. Formerly right. And to your point, to we, we get so labeled. So let's be clear on that part. Right, and then we get yeah. labeled as killers. Right. Uh, I think I've heard so, agents of racial genocide is what we've been labeled before. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, and all this. When and, and again, my point was just I'm talking about one specific yeah. type of you know incident mm-hmm. where. Yeah. But we have to I pay think everybody would that, agree. Though. I think everybody we would agree. We all like have, to have to pay attention to that, though, and be clear and be very honest with that, and and and, and identify it, and not try to like, oh, well, it sounds good, and it's and, and let's get some some news on this, and let's just like label them and put everything on them because that's how we feel, because that is actually what's happening. And then when we know the truth and the facts, and it comes out, it's like that person was never been incarcerated, never had a record, never anything, and do the worst harm to our society, our communities, because believe it or not, the vast majority of us on this side of the fence want safety just as much as you do. I'm just not familiar with where uh, mass shooters are getting labeled as ex-cons. That's what she's saying. Like they're, they're, it's, it's falling on us. We're the ones being blamed as an ex, ex-convicts are the ones being blamed for mass shootings. I, I just don't know where that was heard or where that has been reported. I think if anything, mass shootings get far more play and the mass shooters themselves get deep dives into their lives. Whereas we never talk about the instances that are not mass shootings that are happening all over the United States and especially in our metropolitan areas. That's what's getting no media. Nobody's talking about that loss of life, even though it far outweighs loss of life from mass shootings. Okay. Here is the next prompt. Police violence is blown out of proportion. Violence is blown out of proportion. (sighs) Okay, I have to think about this. Police violence is blown out of proportion. Do either of you have immediate answers? I'm thinking about this just because of the way that it's worded. Yeah. Go ahead. I think I'm going to walk forward and agree because I think if you stop most people on the street and you ask them, like, how many people do you think die of police brutality each year in the United States? People are going to say, like, I think it's like 5,000. I think it's 10,000. They're going to give out like these crazy words or like how many black people do you think die at the hands of police every year? I think it's, you know, a thousand. I, th- I think in that sense, it leads me to believe that it's blown out of proportion. Also, it gets a lot of media play when it hits the right 
narrative. Now, do I think we should have conversations about police violence? Absolutely. But should it be an all race encompassing conversation? Yes. Should it be like an all communities involved conversation? Yes. Not just this like BLM, Black Lives Matter, you know, ACAB conversation that it is now. So in that sense, definitely blown out of proportion, especially if y'all watch what happened in 2022. I mean, 2020 with the riots and all of that crazy stuff. Oh, gosh. Yeah, safe to say that could be characterized as blown out of proportion. Right. Uh, so, so, yeah, you made all the points I would have made. So I, I totally agree. I think it is blown out of proportion. We'll ask you guys in the chat here, too. Yeah, yeah. Answer the poll. Scott? Yeah, I would just say I, I feel like there needs to be a distinction between, like, the number of instances of violence and the violence that people are seeing. And then I, I think those those small numbers that you were speaking to, mm -hmm. that's that's what everybody thinks that when they hear, oh, police brutality, that's that's what it is every single time and people are dying in every instance. And I think like they're just conflating the difference between instant like instances of violence and just um, deaths at large um, right. when when they get into those situations. Yeah, it's just uh, the, the waters are so muddy and the amount of propaganda around this is just mind-blowing mind-blowing yeah, i'll say real quick too like it's it's a question of is the narrative bigger than the actual data and yeah. instances that there are to back it up and you had lebron in 2020 saying we're being hunted in the streets and that's kind of how you're you're characterizing policing in america and if you look at the actual statistics it's nowhere near what you would be able to uh, say could justify a narrative like that and again the media takes these individual instances and then blows them up and blankets the airwaves with them wall-to-wall -wall coverage when they fit a certain narrative. And uh, that creates a perception that is out of sync with the reality on the ground. Yep. Mm. And you'll watch as soon as it doesn't fit the narrative, radio silence every single yep. time. Okay. Walking forward. Okay. Jumpstart dinner. Oh with my home. gosh. Oh no. <laughs> not, not going to give free response to this. Okay. I think that really depends on where you're at, whether it's city, town. I think it really depends on the department because you have a lot of departments that you see a lot of that stuff, but then you have like the small departments that you don't see none of that. And you have community policing. You know, we go out and we do activities with the kids. We do activities with families. Yes, we still do our job. We still pull people over, but we're not, I guess what you would call harassing people in some of the, the, some of the ways that the big cities do. But I mean, you technically are though. Like, I mean, just the you can tell this guy just has his mind set up. He's an ideologue. That's it. He's just going to toe yeah. the line of what he believes this entire thing. And nothing is going to uh, make him confront his actual beliefs when, when real people are sitting in front of him. And what she just said is such a beautiful thing. I always say this when people are trying to argue their own oppression or their injustice. That might be the case. And you might have anecdotal evidence of these things happening to you but when somebody tells you something wonderful that the side you hate is doing you should feel so relieved you should feel so empowered by that you should go you know what i'm you know i'm so glad that my very grim and dark worldview of police officers is actually a little lighter than i thought it was because you and your community you're going out and you're you're hanging with your community members you're getting to know the people who you police you're eating with them your family with them you're teaching them this is a wonderful thing and although my experiences with police officers have been horrible. I'm so glad that you are bridging the gap by creating something good. 
that should be your response if somebody is telling you that they're doing something wonderful, even though you might hate who they are and what they do. It only makes sense to have that response rather than, oh, but you're, no, you're actually terrorizing them. Yeah, when you guys are hanging out at the local pizza party, you're actually terrorizing those people. Define your bad behavior and your violence for you guys doing community work. It just doesn't go hand in hand, you know? I understand people's sentiment where one incident where it looks extremely bad is wrong and then it casts an entire umbrella over the entire profession. I may have a different perspe uh, perspective or different perception of what you're looking at than you do because I'm in this profession, but the way that I guess that we look at things now in the media, it's blown completely out of proportion. So when we see the videos of a police officer handling a child and that cop has become violent towards a child. And I agree, but my thing is, has it been- So why'd you walk forward and agree? She said she's walking forward and saying she believes it's out of proportion but now is saying that it's not for some reason? Blown out of proportion. I see that one incident. We see like, it a lot. You do see it a lot, but you have to also uh, take in consideration that there's over 1,800 agencies in the entire United States. So if you look at the big grand scheme of things as it relates to all these agencies, and you do see violence, you do see where it's scrutinized, where it's brutal. But if you take the numbers, it's it's very, very minimal. It if is. you look at all the public contacts with all agencies nationwide compared to these bad incidents or the perception of bad incidents, it's a very micro compared to the macro of how many public contacts all the agencies have. And let's put this into perspective, if we can even allow that to happen, because some of these numbers you cannot even fathom. So a few, maybe a year back, we did a video on police brutality and sort of debunking some of the myths here. And let me put into perspective how many public encounters police officers are having, or sometimes private encounters they're having with individuals who, are, who they are policing. 325 million per year. 325 million encounters with American citizens or, or not American citizens in the United States police officers are having. How many of those do you see go on the news uh, every year for an instance of police brutality or a, a fatal encounter with police officers? Very few in comparison to 325 million. So just think about the difference there. Now, think about if every time a doctor messed up, you guys saw that on the news, he, you know, gave the wrong kidney to the wrong uh, patient or cut on the left side when he should have cut on the right or put the stitches in the wrong place or gave a patient a medication and that patient ended up dying because it was the wrong medication. Think about how often these instances happen uh, based on, you know, doctor encounters with police, I mean, with patients. Nobody's like coming after doctors and putting them on television for, for malpractice and all these things and saying that they're an evil profession that is directly going out to systemically harm patients and systemically kill them. That's not happening. The same thing with lawyers, the same thing with teachers, the same thing with video editors. I mean, anything you can think of, any profession has a fair amount of issues, problems, and encounters that do not end well and often end in, in fatalities. Now, do police officers deserve scrutiny? Yes. And to be investigated? Yes. And to be charged if that is what is necessary and if they have abused their power absolutely but the amount that this has been you know blown out of proportion is just astronomical it, it really does blow my mind and i would venture to say that if all the people who hate police officers so much went on one ride along went to their local police department and for one night spent the night with these police officers watching what they do they would be singing a different tune in the morning because they have absolutely no idea how their jobs work 
Absolutely. Yeah, and, the, and this is why intellectual honesty is so important um, and why narrative based thinking is so destructive. Because if, you know, like the guy in the jean jacket is illustrating, his name's Charlie in this video, no matter what the facts are, they have to be bent to fit my predetermined narrative that I'm coming to the, to the conversation with. And it distorts your view of the truth and it makes you in it unable to uh come to terms with the truth whenever you're presented with it and uh all of us should want to live in reality uh but whenever you have these narratives and and in large part they're they're perpetrated or, or pushed out there by the media that that want to manipulate us and only tell one side of the story to paint situations with a broad brush because it's politically useful or whatever it may be but you know we should all want to try to see through narratives uh, no matter what side you're on and get to the facts of the matter and have a world view that is constructed on top of reality because uh whenever you're Thinking, whenever you need certain things to be true to fit your predetermined view of the world, then you're an ideologue and you're not living in reality. And that doesn't help anybody. Yeah. And just there's such a separation. I think we talk about police so much and police, police officers, officers, law enforcement, law enforcement, that almost in your mind, you start to dehumanize these people and you feel them as a separate entity from being human. You meet them. They are human beings. <laughs> and do you think do you think the average human being wants to watch somebody else die? Do you think the average human being wants to kill another human being? Absolutely not. Of course not. And, you know, some of the people who are rocked the hardest by death in these communities are police officers. You know, you can read about a death in the newspaper or on the news or see it on CNN or whatever, and it means nothing to you. It is a number on a screen. It's a name on a screen. It's a face on a screen. Police officers, and not for all of them, are the ones who are showing up to see these people die to to have to handle their deaths and we're talking not just you know criminals we're talking women and children all of these things they have to face head on and be the first person to respond to and you don't think that they feel that in the same way that other humans feel that why would they be going out of their way to commit acts of 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 destruction now that's not to justify the people who actually do that and actually abuse their power because there are many that do that but most of them are not doing that. I mean, those, those are the ones that you do see. I mean, and, and then before and it was brought up earlier about the media blowing it up, and uh, we agree, we agree to that. There was, you know, Rodney King. There was Emmett Till. There was well, all these and people. You know, and you know, Emmett Till. You know how many decades it's been since since Emmett Till? I mean, it's just unbelievable. The you can tell that he's been given sort of this like activist spark note against police officers and that's just what he's just regurgitating honestly there's bad officers yeah. and good officers will be the first ones to tell you there are bad officers there's bad off there's bad in every every workforce yes, that you're in yeah. everything if it's bad it's bad if it's wrong it's wrong you know we are the first ones to kind of hey you know that's that's too far. And I used to work in internal affairs, and I personally arrested two uh, prior police officers. I also worked in internal affairs, and I can tell you out of 30-plus of these um, tribunal hearings, uh, a lot have been terminated. Uh, so there is some accountability. I think we're heading in the right direction, considering 20-something years ago, you know, you did something bad, and, you know, it got swept. Now, social media obviously has magnified it by hundreds and hundreds, which is good. But what social media has done is just allowed everyone to see what's happening in the moment, yeah. right? Before we got it weeks later, months later, years later, so no one knew what was going on, but now we have the ability to 
film it in the moment and say, hey, look at this, and this is what's being captured. If violence that's perpetrated against people, who, whether they're doing something wrong or not, is so, I mean, it, it, it's to the point where it's not even harmful anymore. It's tragic. Why? Because we're all human beings. I, it's interesting because the, the subject of social media always comes up, right? You know, social media has empowered people to really, like, you know, stand up, film these encounters. And while, yes, I think that's true, that we are getting better at, you know, firsthand accounts of things that are happening, being able to see it with our own eyes and decipher. And I'll, I'll let that, you know, positive stand on its own. Let's talk about the negative part of everything just being out on social media, lacking context in videos. How many videos do you see that you think, oh, that's an instance of, of police brutality, and then you get the facts behind what was actually happening, and the guy was threatening the cop? Or uh, Micaiah Bryan, who pulled a knife out on another girl and was subsequently shot by police officers, saving that girl's life. Uh, at the loss of Micaiah Bryant's life. Do you remember that? When that video went out and people clipped it and put it out in no context, but we were so empowered, right? Because we got a firsthand account of what happened. We got to see that body cam footage. So social media, these videos often lack context. The other thing is that now that you have this in your hand and you feel empowered and emboldened in these encounters that you have with police officers, it gives you a sense of machismo of, oh, I'm gonna pull my phone out I'm going to escalate this situation further because social media is going to be on my side of this. And if I just get the right video of this cop coming to me in this way, you know, I'll have evidence. I'll post it on social media. It's going to be a big thing. And it, in fact, is escalating situations with police officers that do not need to be escalated because you feel like, oh, uh, I'm going to get a, you know, this uh, Black Lives Matter video of this cop coming up to me and harassing me when more often than not, that's not what they're trying to do. So if everybody would just like take it calm, like bring it down a couple notches and that's cops included and just try to keep a level head and trying to have a conversation with each other rather than jumping straight to social media. Although I will say like if you feel like you've been pulled over for some reason other than breaking the law or that somebody is antagonizing you, yeah, record, like turn on your phone. Don't just go like shoving it in people's faces and things. I mean, record and set it on your phone and just leave it. Leave it. It doesn't have to be something that you use to escalate the situation, which is so often what happens. How often do you see these social media videos and they're like, I'm recording you. I'm recording you. I'm recording you. What's your badge number? What's your badge number? I'm going to get you fired. All these things escalate, escalate, escalate. And then, oh, somebody gets pepper sprayed. Dude, I wonder why. I wonder why. Just like nobody respond to authority anymore. And that's not to say that cops are the end all be all and you should just like bow down to whatever authorities in front of you. But assess the situation. For real. And there's a culture of violence that perpetuates within the department itself. And I've had good cops reach out to me, reach out to me and said, they're not listening. And if I say it, if they know I'm saying anything, I'm gone or I'm going to be hurt. Police violence is completely blown out of proportion um, in a sense that it's completely biased. Why isn't nonviolence or me saving someone's life, mm -hmm. not blown out of proportion. Can the disagree step forward? I don't believe it's blown out of proportion because I believe it's just barely getting the exposure that it needs. It is what it is. That's what it is. Each, each time I've encountered the cops, it's, it's just been like the most negative experience of my life. Like, uh, I, I'm addicted to the news. And uh, every time I turn on the news, it's another cop killing. Like you said, maybe they, they don't uh, report what's good out there, but they do report the bad. And I watch, I watch it every day of my life. Like, I see how the cops treat people. If I may ask you, if you did see the good, 
would that give you a different perception about the police? It's not that I don't see the good, it's that it just doesn't, I haven't seen it happen, I haven't experienced it, I haven't had, heard nobody in my community like right. have anything. So I've seen the good when okay. I was 16 years old. I'm in my 40s. I actually had a police officer who was my hero. Every contact since in multiple states, multiple divisions, has violated me, stolen from me, taken from me and stripped me of every value I ever had. The way y'all talk to me, the approach, I'm so respectful. Mm -hmm. 18,000, that's what you said, divisions? No, 1,800. 1,800? How many prisons are there? And how many inmates? And then we're disarmed when we come home. We can't vote, so I can't compete with you on my laws. I can't carry a gun. I can't defend myself. I can't even carry a knife. The exposure is barely there. We need more exposure. I'm from the L.A. County area, from the islands of Hawaii originally. Every police in between them seas to the East Coast has always spoken with disrespect. They don't pull us over on a speeding ticket like, hi, how's your day? How you doing? Do you got any emergencies going on? Yeah, they come with their guns. When's the last time you was arrested? <laughs> oh, okay. There's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot <laughs> to unpack here. Should cops be more respectful when they are just doing routine checks with people? Absolutely. If you're getting a routine traffic stop from a police officer and he's pulling you over for what, running a red light or, you know, a rolling stop or whatever, should that cop be respectful? 100% the cop should be respectful. And... You just never know what's going on. You don't know what their last call was. You don't know what this person's going through in their life. They could have just, I don't know, watched a kid die and now they're pulling you over for running a red light and that might, you know, set things off at a different wavelength. Is it both person's responsibility to try to be as respectful as possible? Yes, absolutely. Now, she said one thing, and one thing that I think I do agree with, that I think felons should be able to vote. I don't think uh, committing a crime and then serving your time in jail, you, you should be placed back in society without the ability to advocate for yourself politically. That, in, in my opinion, makes absolutely no sense. If you've committed a crime, you've, you were arrested, you went to trial, convicted, whatever, your time in prison is your time in prison. That is you serving for the crime that you committed. Now, many of you might disagree with me on that, but you're out of prison. You've served your time. Why, why would you not be able to advocate for yourself politically? What are they afraid of, of felons advocating for that they should not be able to vote in their uh, local and in federal elections? To me, that makes no sense. Now, carrying a firearm and, you know, other weapons and things like that. Not sure that I'm on the same wavelength as her. I mean, if you're looking at places like Chicago where you have career criminals who are going out and, and shooting people and causing destruction and just taking people's lives there, you know, it's probably sufficient evidence to say if you're con convicted of XYZ felony, you might go on to commit other crimes. And uh, being armed while doing that is not the best thing for our society. And there's an element of needing to understand that there are consequences for your actions. And she asked him, how many times have you been arrested? If he says none, you should be very happy that he has not been arrested because he hasn't taken it upon himself to go and commit crimes and break the laws of the society that we live in. So I'm not necessarily hopping on the victim train for people who have gone and committed acts of crime. That, that's it. But there was some valid things said there. Should cops try their, with their utmost strength to be respectful to the people that they are policing? 
yeah, I mean, it's just going to lead to a more a synergistic community where we can rely on each other and that, you know, people don't feel afraid to go to police officers or to rely on them and to know that they're there to actually help, even though they have to do the hard task of disciplining people. Who, me? No, I'm just saying that's the approach when you come to the car window, right, is on guard. Oh, okay, I don't okay. talk like that. So I hear she's saying they ask when they come to the window, have you ever been arrested? I was like, what? <laughs> she asked him, has he ever been arrested? OK, take that. I take that back. Where are you coming from? But I don't talk like that. So some people do do that. Mm -hmm. You talk for them. But you said us. You just pointed at us, said us. The department. I, all well, departments. All I don't know which department they work for, but I work for a department. And it's, I've never seen this person, these people in my life. I've never seen you in my life. I've never encountered you in my life. But I wouldn't come at you like that. So you don't cuss at people when you walk up to them? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. When I walk up to them, no. Now, if they're cussing at me, I might cuss back. Absolutely. I'm going to allow you to dictate how you're going to allow just this interaction to go. What if I speak to you with respect and you go back there and you pull my license and it says parole date 2036? You're still going to get treated with respect. I've never. Not one time. So you guys are four come, out of hundreds. Come, you can come do right along with fine. me. But what I'm saying is I'm coming to you. Oh, what are you on parole you, for? Yes. I'm on parole for this and that and the Your third. computer doesn't now, tell you what Why has she been in contact with hundreds of police officers? That's just a question. I don't know if this is maybe she's maybe she she said she is on parole. So maybe she's just seeing a parole officer. But typically your parole officer is, you know, assigned to you and you have one for quite a long period of time where you're seeing that parole officer in particular, if I understand that correctly. So she's saying she has hundreds of run ins with police officers that have been disrespectful. You know, I'm not going to make a claim here, right? I'm not going to like put an accusation, but I will say like if you are running into the same problem hundreds, if not thousands of times, it's probably within your best interest to figure out what the common denominator in those situations is. And sometimes you're the common denominator in all in all hundreds of those encounters. But she's saying she's making the claim that she's been respectful and that she hasn't done anything wrong, so I will take her word for it. So if she's been respectful and hundreds of cops have been disrespectful to her, then I would say that department needs uh, to be looked at. Maybe audit, which police officers do go through audits where they have essentially fake police calls that they show up to and they are being evaluated for how they respond to situations that are escalating, acts of domestic violence, a disrespectful you know, a perpetrator or whatever, and they are audited for these things. So maybe that's exactly what the department, wherever she's living, needs. But just some things are not seeming to add up to me. If your you're an asshole, doesn't tell you, you got to do your job. Yeah, and the dynamic, like. the dynamics change because everybody's got body worn video now, or dashboard video, and everything's recorded. Yeah, all these the contacts, you guys have them. That's exactly why you guys have body cams and dash cams. Because even your own departments don't it's trust you. It's for transparency. So if I do something, the public knows why I did something. That's what it's for. I grew up in the era of body cams, so I'm fine with it. I turn it on every single time. I've had people say, "Hey, this person is rude. This person, this and that, and the third. They watch the body cam. Did nothing that they said." Bingo. And but I'll technology is policing you. So technology has little air. Human beings are policing us in the community of a community that you don't even know our values. You come from 30 miles away is a difference in the values. So I believe that it does need more exposure beyond the cameras that y'all. Well, hold. I think if it if you're gonna say it needs more exposure, I think the good side also needs more exposure. Yeah. I think policing in a whole needs more exposure. I mean, I grew up with that. Mm -hmm. In school, D.A.R.E. programs and all these false hopes. But that's not, the D.A.R.E. That's program has nothing to do with <laughs> patrol and being out on the streets and nothing. working with people and families out on the streets. I see the good in policing, but I also see the bad in policing. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, if it's going to, if it, if this one side needs more exposure, I think it all needs more exposure.
I grew up in the community. I'm not judging you, but yet you see me with a uniform, you automatically judge me. And I don't think that's fair. Well, that because that comes from her experience. That's, that's what she's trying to say. It's like as soon as the uniform is put on, the badge, it's like, and for and most, because I'm in that work, right. and I see it, and it's like the ego comes in, or that power, and as human beings, we must feel like we're in control. That's just, it just seems to be an innate thing within all of us. Oftentimes, people with titles and roles allow the titles and roles to justify what they do. From That's children true. to adults. Oh my gosh. Yeah, my people sister, do. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, keep you go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it feels like uh, the girl who keeps kind of pushing back has the attitude of like me as a felon, the police should treat me, you know, innocent until proven guilty in this interaction. But yet she's coming to every interaction with the police as the, the police are guilty until proven innocent. Right. And it's not a, it's a one-way street. You have to, if you're going to demand that you as a felon be treated as someone who's innocent and just an upstanding citizen, then you can't come to the police with this loaded expectation that they're uh, these horrible people and you're prejudging them. It's it, it's a two-way street. You have to come into it in good faith. Right. All of this is a two-way street. Like what sh the the hair lady saying right now, like some of them put on their uniform and then they, they feel like they're they're bigger than everybody else. Yes. That does happen. That does happen. There's there's no doubt that that happens. What should be set in place is systems of accountability to stop that from happening. And if anything, you need like a, I think broader training for police officers would be great. Like if you want to train them more, by all means, go ahead and use your, your taxpayer money to train police officers more. And if you want to put that training in de-escalation or whatever, by all means, do that. But there's going to be the flip side. And yes, there will be police officers who commit crimes, just like there are doctors who commit crimes. There are lawyers who commit crimes. There are people in every single facet of our society who commit crimes. There should be systems of accountability placed uh, upon them so that we can try to weed out those people as best we can. That should be the goal of every single institution is to weed out the bad people who are doing bad things that will almost always exist because there are certain powers and privileges that we get to exercise in every single job that we have. And police officers are not safeguarded from having power and privilege that they could possibly abuse. Good as there, there's four of you right here. <laughs> you have some conscience, <laughs> that's, a, that's what I'm hearing. Committing a crime is never justified. This will be our last one. Okay, committing a crime is never justified. This will keep philosophers busy for uh, I know, I was about to say, this is like an ethical busy. question. I cannot, I, will, I don't think I'm going to walk forward and agree with this one. I think there yeah. would be times uh, where committing a crime would be justifiable. I don't know that I can give you an exact example right now, but never is just such a strong, strong word that I don't think I'm going to walk forward. Are either of you agreeing? No, I would, I would agree with what you just said. Yeah, um, you know, there are instances that you, you you can just stand there and say, oh, no, there's no way I would commit a crime in any circumstance. But until you're in that moment, you, you truly don't know. And right. like it's hard to conjure up any scenario um, or all scenarios in which you would know that information. So it's just like it, this is a tough one to to say yes or no to, because if you have yeah. a family member that is in danger and mm -hmm. you must commit a crime like you, it's a toss up. You yeah. Don't know yet. And the definition, like, uh, the term crime can be thrown around and changed so much. What if during the COVID pandemic, it was a crime not to wear a mask to 
uh, a certain store or it was a crime to not be vaccinated or something like that. These things can shift and morph in the death. Like crime can be so many different things. So, yeah, I would say I disagree with this. Uh, sometimes it, it would be justified. Scott, did you speed on the way to the hospital when your wife was giving birth? Oh, yeah, that- dude. Does anybody agree with the prompt? No. <clears throat> Nobody agrees. Can the disagreeer step forward? <clears throat> that prompt, it's a very open-ended question. I shared my a part of my story earlier about the person. Oh, we got a super chat from Robert Keifner. It says, I'm going to be honest, I am not proud of it, but when I was in my 20s, I got a DUI. The officer was extremely nice and and respectful. He thanked me on the ride to jail for being cooperative and respectful. And even now, I believe it's a mutual respect. See? It's wonderful. A good run-in. A good run-in with a police officer when you are doing a not-so-great thing and they de-escalated the situation and thanked you for cooperating. And that's what I think, yeah, that idea of mutual respect is a wonderful thing. I think that it should be talked about when police officers do a great job because it is not a, an easy job to do. And it should also be talked about when people cooperate uh, with police officers because it's certainly not an easy time to be a cooperative, apparently. Uh, so as long as we're just functioning with like, you know, I'm a human, you're a human, we both want this to go well, I have a job to do, you are in fact breaking the law, here's the law you're breaking, I have to do something about this. There's no world where I'm not going to do something about this. Can we please just respectfully allow this to to move along? But some people don't want that to uh, happen. Yeah, it's like both parties should just come into it with the attitude that I am not going to be the one that is going to make this a bad situation or to escalate this or to make this go off the rails, which is a great rule of thumb for just going about life. Even if you're only acting in your own self-interest, uh, you should strive to enter every interaction, whether it's like in relationships and arguments and you might have or things like that, going into it with a, I'm not going to be the one that is going to drive this off the rails or make this a worse scenario. If someone else wants to do that, then we'll respond as needed when that happens. But I'm not going to be the one to make it worse. Yeah. And I will say, I like, I feel for people who get in these instances with cops where they say this cop is abusing their power. Like they held a gun to me or they had their hand on their gun the whole time and I wasn't doing anything wrong. You know, I would be scared out of my mind if that situation happened to me. Now, how would I respond to that situation? I would de-escalate as far as I could possibly de-escalate that situation. Not because, not necessarily out of respect for the cop who is escalating something that doesn't need to happen, but out of respect for my life <laughs> and, yeah. and saying, you know what? I can take this up hopefully legally with this police officer. Hopefully there's body cam footage involved in in what is happening right now. And I will use other channels than a direct confrontation with somebody to try and solve this problem. And of course, not everybody gets justice, as is the nature of being a human being. And police officers do have systems of power in place that can protect them in these cases. Like I said, even when that police officer at LAPD who was abusing children and was caught by other police officers doing it was supposed to be held accountable, even though you have the entire police department saying something needs to happen to this guy, they are, you know, protected legally. As some officers are unionized, there's, uh, you know, different uh, channels to uh, investigate them and to lead to their firing. There's a lot of different things that can protect people in these instances, and that should be acknowledged as well. The officer who was there to protect, serve, and he committed a crime against me. Was he justified? 
because he was a police officer, a detective. I forgave him. And so that's why I couldn't step forward because I had to pause for a second. I just, I, I have to take a neutral stance here because that's not our reality. Um, I was 14 years old and I was deciding to not go to school. And my stepdad came up and yanked a cover out from underneath me and I hit the ground off of a bunk bed. And I got up cussing him and he slapped me across my face and I was the one that was taken to juvenile hall. But damn it, my crime was justified. Mm. You know, I think with anybody, with any crime that is committed, there's a reason, there's a background, okay. there's a story. There you go. There's circumstances that you have to find out. And us as police officers, that's our job, you know, and we'll, we'll take it from there. So none of you as officers stepped forward and felt like it was unjustifiable the minute that you put your badge on to commit a crime? No, no. I oh, she's saying, okay, so the prompt was what again? It's never never justified to commit a crime, commit a crime yeah. and she's right. saying well don't you think that the minute you put your badge on should have been never justified for you to commit a crime i get what she's saying i get what she's trying to infer that if you're going to take a position in in law enforcement then you should say you are wholly subscripted to the law and you're never going to uh commit a crime i don't know if i believe that philosophically i feel like it, it, you just be a person just like anybody else and well, <laughs> Yeah. So she's basically in, inferring that you shouldn't be a cop unless you're going to answer this prompt affirmatively. I think I think that's what she's trying to say. Hmm. I, I'll we'll see if she talks more. Not I, one I, of you. I, I like she just asked for an instant. Right. I feel like some things are justified for basic survival. I'm just curious if out of like, four of you didn't have that one concept and you took an oath to protect and serve my community, his community, your community, her community, and not one of you stepped forward. I was going to step forward and challenge it. I hesitated and went back because I wanted to rethink it. Not one of you felt like when you put on that badge and that tool belt that there was no justifiable reason to commit a crime because it'd be self-defense, right? So, some things are just... I don't think she understands <laughs> yeah. what she's, uh, me here. What she's yeah. saying here. They are on your side on this one. And in fact, would be with having this opinion would be the most charitable to be arbiters of justice, because that means if you commit a crime, which the four of them have, that they would be willing to hear your story <laughs> before convicting you or charging you of, of a crime because they wanna know whether or not it was justified. That is the best possible answer that four police officers could give you if you are an ex-con. So yeah, it's a signal that they have principles. And like we saw in the, the aftermath of COVID or during that season, uh, we saw lots of cops that got fired and went viral for you going in their car and saying, hey, look, I lost my job because I'm I refuse to um, enforce some of these absurd COVID restriction policies or I just wasn't um, on board with certain violations of civil liber civil liberties and things like that. So if anything, it's to the cops credit because it shows that they have uh, a, a prior commitment to principles and your rights uh, to where if there were laws that would technically be a crime, uh, they wouldn't enforce those. Right. Yeah, I think. Sh and this is, the, you know, when you have this just very deeply set bias, which I can understand why they have it. They've had run ins with police officers that are not great. They've most likely seen the inside of jail since, you know, they're convicts. Uh, 
they're they're going to feel some type of way before police officers and they're going to filter everything that they say through this negative lens that they already have of them. So there's going to be no good answer that they can give. Now, to the short-haired lady's credit, I forgot her name, she did say, well, at least you guys have a conscience. But she's saying that in sort of like a, oh, well, at least you guys are the only four cops that I've ever met who have a conscience, which we know is not true. There's a deep sense of negativity that they are just like, filtering everything through in order to justify the way that they feel about police officers, even though they seemingly have four pretty good police officers sitting right in front of them. I think this is where we're going to get into Super Chats today. We're about halfway through this episode. If you guys want a part two of this, let me know in the chat down below and we will do a part two sometime later. Let's get into Super Chats and read some of them. And like we said, guys, for Super Chats moving forward, $5 or more means it will be read at the end of the show. $50 means it will be read immediately. So that's what we did with uh, Robert Keifner's Super Chat, which we greatly appreciate just because we get so many Super Chats that it makes the show run very, very long. So I apologize, guys. We're laying the law down. Officer Amala, we're enforcing (laughs) it. Uh, All right. We got first one here for today from Diva Dawn. Uh, I don't think inmates or quote unquote former inmates have any business commenting on this. How many of these people were convicted of violent crimes? Yeah, I mean, I I would disagree in that, you know, that people do lots and lots of bad things in, in life. And some of those people are arrested. Some of them aren't. I mean, we have phases in our lives where we do bad things and then we grow out of it and we learn. Uh, I don't think being convicted of a crime should keep you from being able to have commentary on what's happening in society. Now, should that bias be recognized? Of course. And should it maybe stop you from other things like we talked about, like maybe owning a gun or you know doing anything that would lead you Uh, to the possibility of committing further crimes, yes. But I don't think it completely nixes your ability to contribute as a citizen and to have these sort of debates because, you know, you could sit somebody who would be saying the same exact things as these people and they didn't commit a crime. So uh, it's, it's just something we have to just think about and acknowledge could be a possible bias. Right. You don't want to cross the line of like completely dehumanizing someone over uh, a line that they crossed or a mistake that they made. And I think that speaks to the same point that you were making with uh, the voting question for felons as well. So, but interesting. Uh, Isaac Gorski says criminals, as in currently one of the criminals who are cycling through the doors of jails, if we know they are active criminals, get them out. Say that again. Sorry. Zoned out criminals as in currently one of the criminals who are cycling through the doors of jails if we know they are active criminals get them out it seems to be a criticism of the very like catch and release sort of laws that we have uh but yeah it's not super clear the point that we're oh, making okay gotcha well i appreciate <laughs> the super chat thank you yeah, we appreciate the super chat um let's see oh these are two dollar ones sorry guys pop up another three dollars <laughs> oh if you want gosh, them red don't do that. we're misers no. here uh, Diva Dawn again says, Amla, I think your audience is triggered. Oh, well, some of these comments are getting heated. I can imagine this is a subject that people go hardcore in either direction. And there are a lot of, I guess, conservatively natured individuals who absolutely hate police officers. So I'm sure there's some of that going on in the comments down below as well. You guys can duke it out. We always like a healthy debate. Mm-hmm. And take it to the next level in the Discord where you can do voice chat debates or uh, just go to one of our channels that have dedicated topics and... Uh, Duke it out. Ashley Kresge says, oh, 
Okay, this is a quote. Oh, can we pause your attack for a second? I gotta wait for my backup to get here. Thanks. Right. Like what? Right. Dead emoji. Like, please, sir. I've got five other officers who are about to show up. Don't shoot me. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Gosh. Um, this is gonna be tough now because there are different currencies involved. What is a Z-A-R? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but we're gonna go ahead and read it. Uh, okay. Hey, this is from... Yakarian fan Ashira. Hey, Amala and company, I thought y'all might talk a bit more about Drinkus Duplessis and the UFC situation. Light slash white South African here. Okay. Uh, love from Ashira. We did the video on Drinkus Duplessis, which maybe I just need to redo the video because I said nation instead of continent like six times in the video. And it was just, I, the vi I still stand by the points that I made in the video. They just weren't uh, coherently explained to people enough. Um, so I, I could, I'd be willing to make the video again if you guys want to see it. We already have like an edited version. I could just like, just voice over and say continent. <laughs> where I, where, <laughs> just bleep where it out. Said nation. Poor Scott worked so hard on that and like uh, spent hours editing and barely got it out. I on know. Time. Maybe I'll just like put on the same outfit and we'll like film the new parts and we'll do like voiceover of me saying continent so we can fix that part. But yeah, I, I I'll speak on it. My my uh, general thoughts are that Drickus Duplessis is absolutely right and that nobody should have made it about race or color, which has happened. And Ariel Hawani, we'll get we'll get into it. If you guys want to see that video, you let me know. I'm willing to. <laughs> uh, we'll see if Scott's willing to redo that video. I'm down. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> we'll get back to it. By the way, it. Scott worked really hard on yesterday's video as well, where we talked about Phil Jackson um, and his comments that sports and the NBA has become too political for him to watch. He's like the most legendary NBA coach ever. And uh, for some reason, it didn't hit the algorithm or something because not a lot of y'all got to see it. So go check right. that video out. Yeah, yesterday. go watch that. Long. Yeah. yeah. Y'all don't care <laughs> about the NBA. You care about UFC, but not the NBA, which sort of makes sense for, you know, a I more guess. conservative leaning audience. But we're talking about why no one cares about the NBA and why their ratings have tanked. So yeah. it should be. Still... Well, we should do a poll. Anyways. Can you do a poll to see if people want that that UFC video? Uh, I'll do it if it's in okay. popular demand. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll do the poll after I ask this question. Okay, perfect. Can't do so many things at once. Lady Maverick eight twenty three says cops did nothing in Uvalde. Had there been armed security guards there and in Nashville, this wouldn't have happened. Years ago, I read an article where a teacher in Oklahoma was armed and stopped shooting before it started. Thoughts? I'm not for arming teachers. Uh, at least not now. I have not heard a super convincing argument as to why that should be the case. I get the Uvalde thing, but I, I just mean like statistically these things are not uh, going to be experienced uh, that much. So it doesn't make sense to me to add a whole bunch of firearms to, to schools where statistically things are not going to happen. And now you have a firearm on the campus in, in some capacity. Now, I mean, I struggle to say that if they had a student resource officer that it would have happened differently. You'll never know in these situations. And I mean, again, philosophically, the situation happened as it happened. So it happened the way it always was going to happen. I don't know if that's uh, too deep into this, but it happened the way it was always going to happen. I, I don't know that a student resource officer changes things. You also saw what happened in Parkland. Parkland had student resource officers and uh, they had a very similar issue to what happened at Uvalde. I think it's just an unprecedented situation for any human being. So you just never know how even a police officer is going to respond to something like that. It's uh, it's a tough thing, uh, but I'm not for uh, not for arming teachers, at least not not quite, not quite yet. 
All right, Stephanie Fonseca says, hoping Charlie gets bullied in every hood for the dummy answers he gave during Jubilee's video. He should have laid off MJ as an adolescent. Which one's Charlie? Is that the one he's who is just he's the, yeah, denim, the jacket. denim jacket the Charlie? There one. he is. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You know, he just needs a little bit more education on the, sub on the subject, I think. That's generous. Um, Sammy RN says, as a jail RN, I watched many inmates incite, incite violence and try to antagonize deputies into saying or doing something to them. And my depths would respond with professional courtesy until the point of unsafety. Yeah, I mean, I had my best friend in middle school and high school. Her father was a uh, correctional officer in a prison and uh, rough stuff. I mean, and again, it's the same thing with police officers. I, I would argue that you probably if you're going to look at professions that have you know brutality being a little, probably a little bit worse uh, it's pro correctional officers and people who are you know handling inmates probably have a worse record than police officers although that's never talked about because you're behind prison walls prisoners can't really advocate for themselves all that much and it's a highly like antagonistic job you have no idea what you're walking into every day now that's not to say the entire profession is wrong or that they're brutalizing people because i don't think most uh correctional officers or people who work in prisons are doing those things but i mean if we're so up in arms about police officers i think you would find some hefty numbers uh looking over there but that's all that i'm saying it's a rough job it's a very, very rough job. He would sell, tell stories, and he was a big dude, right? And such a nice guy, like just a big teddy bear. But he would go into jail and just like constantly be antagonized, antagonized, antagonized by, by inmates who just, I don't know, wanna, wanna create problems. I, it's not a job I would ever take. Yeah, I don't know how people last in jobs like that. Like press secretary, prison guard, those are some that I think are some of the most uh brutal jobs to try to go to day yeah. in and day out so I mean, appreciate people who do those uh and do a good job yeah and prison scene reform by the way i i don't know if that's a necessarily conservative stance of mine but they they do need reform uh in just the the living conditions that some of these people have i think in large part being separated from society is enough for having committed a crime and just like the food that they're subjected to not in all prisons but in a lot of them just the treatment that they're subjected to the hygiene the lack of hygiene that they're subjected to to me that is not okay uh but i digress all right emory june says hey amala love you in your show when are we going to see a brett cooper collab my two favorite young conservative content creators <laughs> we get that super chats every every show, every show. <laughs> we at this point you guys you guys are we're gonna have to just make it happen i guess i uh, if for no other reason than to make the question stop <laughs> But we appreciate it. We know you guys love Brett. We like Brett. She's fantastic. <laughs> At some point, we will have to collab because we are the the two conservative girlies in the same little age range here on YouTube. <laughs> uh, a scout in the Bradley says, "Killing someone as as a good person will give nightmares." Oh well, yeah. I mean, uh, going Dostoevsky on us. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to the police officers here in LA, it's just. Um, they are so desensitized to death and harm and destruction because they just see it all the time. And they say, like, you know, it's traumatizing and traumatizing and traumatizing. And then at one point, it's just like, you got to do your job and you got to see it. And mentally, I don't know. They're in a whole nother space mentally. Burning Below says all cops have an us against them gang mentality. No better 
than the street gangs. Worse, in fact, they get away with murder. All cops? Is that what it said? All cops. No, they don't. <laughs> it's just it's just false. It's just literally false. Uh, there are cops who do get away with stuff, like I said, and that should not be okay, and there needs to be a crackdown on that sort of stuff, but they're really not like that. And I just don't know if that's my personal experience with these police officers, but they are like welcoming. They do like cookouts with the community that they're in. And this is a community completely overrun by by gang violence. They're uh, helping kids get into homes. They're helping kids get educated. The police officers that I work with have multiple charities right now where they're taking these underprivileged kids who are growing up in very far less than ideal means and getting them into colleges on on full rides and helping them with their schoolwork after school there are police officers that walk you know kids and uh, family members uh, around the neighborhood because their neighborhoods are so unsafe these are the things that the cops that i know are doing and none of them are exercising tyranny and acting as their own gang against their community yeah, and one of the cops in this video said something um, that I thought stuck out to me was that like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it was a much bigger problem or you could get away with things as a cop. And maybe they were more prevalent in certain precincts. But nowadays, with people having cell phones and capturing things on video, but also the, the advent of body cam footage and how much media attention police get, uh, and even laws now that are very strict on what cops are allowed to do in these situations, it, it's much harder to uh, to get away with being a bad apple these days. And again, that's not to say that there aren't some. There 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 are, and there always will be, and they should be you know punished and taken out of of the, the force. But uh, you know, it's it's not fair to just characterize uh, all police with that broad brush, right. um, especially now. Uh, when the facts on the ground indicate that the policing is better, there's less corruption than there was uh, 30, 40 years ago. Nobody so. ever talks about how, like, it's a good thing we're catching these things. I mean, think yeah. about every other profession where none of this stuff is getting caught. Teachers abusing their kids, doctors abusing their patients, lawyers putting people in, getting people in prison who do not deserve to be there. All these different things that are happening in any given profession. Uh, news media people just lying straight out of their mouth, straight to you. All of this stuff is happening in other professions. They don't have cameras and body cam footage to for us to catch them doing it. Police officers do. So it's a wonderful thing that they're actually being caught in the act when these things are happening. And if you are horrified at what you're seeing from police officers, think about all the other stuff that's happening in other professions that you never get the chance to see. It's not an indictment on police officers. It's an indictment on human beings because human beings can be cruel in nature. So that's that's what we should all be thinking, in my opinion. Dixon Butts, welcome back, said, I'm late, but all I know is French police only carry baguettes. <laughs> Valid. <laughs> Valid. Valid. I, yeah, that's why they're having such a tough time with these protests recently. <laughs> the bread is burning. I don't know why that was kind of German in. Uh, <laughs> the bread is burning, the bread yeah. Is burning. <laughs> uh, burning below again. So exercising your First Amendment rights is escalating the situation. If that's the case, the cops should use their de-escalation, which they don't. No. Okay. If you go, excuse me, sir. Um, I I recognize that you've pulled me over. I'm not sure what I've done. Could you please state your badge number? And also, I would like to let you know that I am recording this situation. That's one thing, right? If you go, I'm recording you and you know, I, you're pulling me over and I didn't do nothing wrong and what's your badge number and all these things and I'm gonna keep recording you. These are two different things. Both people have exercised their free speech. 
One of them escalated the situation. The other de-escalated the situation. That's all that I'm saying. By all means, exercise your rights. And especially when you are confronted by law enforcement, because that's going to be a pretty pivotal time for you to know your rights and to exercise them. But do it in the way that's smart. Like, let's not act, let, let's not act like we're, we're dumb here and that we don't know the right way to converse with people and to have respect for them. There's just two different ways. BFFR, as the kids say these days. BFFR. Diva Dawn, again, says, it depends on the state. Some states give felons their right to vote back after they get out of prison. This is true. This is true. It is a state-by-state issue. That's why you have people lobbying in different states to change that, which I think absolutely should be changed. Charles Trotman says, I am in support of making sure they get adequate mental health treatments and regular evaluations. You can weed the good, the bad, and the ones with PTSD. Yep, 100%. And I think a lot of cops uh, struggle with mental health too. Uh, And I've heard this firsthand, that they are scared in going to a mental health professional and telling them, because obviously they are... uh, their mental health professionals are connected to their department. So they don't want to say the wrong thing or, you know, express an emotion that they're going to get flagged for and then not be able to do their job anymore because they care that much about protecting the community. So it's a it's a tough, you know, tightrope that they walk in trying to communicate the things that they're going through and not be, you know, taken off the force. But I'm like, you know, you there needs to be adequate mental health uh, care set in place for, for cops because I'm sure a lot of them that SNAP are just not prepared emotionally and they're not receiving proper care yeah and this is why also we as citizens have a stake in having our encounters with the police be de-escalated and not having this out of control fictional narrative of just rampant police brutality at every turn and racist cops and all this stuff because that just escalates the situation puts more pressure on them puts uh more pressure on their mental health and makes it more difficult for them to to do their job so we all have a vested interest in taking the the heat out of the situation as much as we can so that they're not wound so tight uh when we, and that doesn't absolve them of any responsibility for overstepping the lines but it's also like we this they're human beings and we have to acknowledge that and and uh conduct ourselves accordingly right so um burning below again says what if you haven't broken a law and have been stopped which happens 90 percent of the time talk i think these things can be talked through and you know there's a, a quite a good number of people that have been i mean arrested for something they didn't do or whatever and then you know what you go through the proper channels and then you you handle it and some of them get settlements all these different things or whatever there are often times where you will find yourself in situations that are outside of your control. Most police officers do not want to do the multiple hours worth of paperwork and other things that they have to do in reporting to arrest somebody and book them in a system. For the most part, that is largely within your your uh, capability and responsibility to take care of a situation that you feel like you are wrongfully in. So if a police officer pulls you over and you said you were speeding and you weren't speeding, I mean, just have have the conversation and see where it goes. And sometimes you end up with a ticket and that ticket often comes with a court date where you can state your case and talk about all these things. And there are proper channels. Uh, and I will say they don't always work out. Sometimes you do get the short stick in the draw and you do end up with something that you didn't ask for, but that is not what is happening to the majority of people. User Rick says, what about Adams County sheriffs and Afro man, no charges, broken gate, door and money stolen. Why'd they disconnect his video cameras? I don't know about this specific story, but it sounds like you're saying the police officers took out his security cameras and started 
doing things in his house or something? That would be Evidently wrong. Evidently broke the gate, stole money, etc. Those police officers should be fired. <laughs> That's my answer. I mean, I'm not yeah. the head of the police department, but those police officers should be terminated. And if they did something illegal, guess what? The book should be thrown at them, just like any other citizen. I just, it's weird to me that like we think like, citizens in general break laws. In every single profession, they break laws. But police officers just don't ever do anything wrong and they don't ever break laws. They do, and they should receive the same punishment as everybody else. Yeah, this, is, this, is, this isn't that hard. It shouldn't be. Um, okay, Charles Trotman again says, I have an arrest for me speeding 108 in a 70. Nicest cop I ever met. Very respectful. Made sure I was comfortable. They are not all bad. <laughs> See, there you go. That's a nice cop. That's nice. That is a nice cop. 108 in a 70. Wow. Where'd you have to be? Is your wife about to pop or something? My <laughs> gosh. Uh, Stevie Capone says, these criminals are extremely uninformed and out of touch. And uh, this, this very much seems to be a facts versus feelings type of debate. Yep. That's the vibe that I got, 100%. 100%. While it's still fresh in my brain from that last question, Amla, what's the worst speeding ticket you've ever gotten? I've never had a speeding ticket. You've never had a speeding ticket? <laughs> no. Scott? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know worse, but I don't know, maybe uh, 12 to 15 over? I don't know. 12 to 15 over? Okay. Uh, he very nice. strategically didn't say yeah. the actual numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's good. You don't want that as a public record. In a, in a 70, I think, once or something. Gosh, 75. where were you headed, Taylor? You know, it's honestly, I swear, I was genuinely ignorant. This is, I was pretty young, um, but I was driving in on one in Oklahoma. They have a lot of uh, toll roads and the, uh, the speed limit sign that I passed said minimum speed 65 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I did not see a maximum. And I saw that a few times in a row. Okay, so I was so like, you're like pedal oh, to the I metal. guess. Yeah. And it was kind of like a hilly terrain in Southern Oklahoma I was driving through. And I was like accelerating down the hills and then like coasting back up them. Partially to save gas because that's what they say it does. But also just because it was kind of fun. And uh, anyways, I guess the cop, cop clocked me going down a hill at 95. And uh, I got pulled over and Damn. got educated that the uh, the the signs that I saw were not the whole story. So. <laughs> okay. Taylor well. thought he was on the American Autobahn. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, you wow, I discovered something. it right here in Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, <sighs> but anyways, so be skeptical of minimum speed only signs, kids. Totally get you. Oh, we got Robert. That was, uh, yeah, that was an him. instant one. Thanks again. And remember, guys, going forward, if you super chat $50 or more, we will stop what we're doing in the middle of the show, give you all the attention and read your super chat. So... Just remember, um, a scout in a Bradley says cops deal with people when they're stressed. Someone stresses stressed never makes good decisions. Oh, dude, it's just like it's amazing. I People might take this out of context. It's amazing that worse things do not happen <laughs> with police officers in these encounters. You have two horrible situations, and that's one, a person getting an encounter with a police officer that's probably going to end in them being reprimanded, which nobody wants, and especially adult, adults don't want. They hate being reprimanded, especially when it comes with like a ticket or any sort of infraction. So you have somebody who's just acutely stressed for that situation. Then you have a police officer who's dealing with this all day long, who people are shouting at, spitting at, all this stuff. You have no idea what call they just went to. They're dealing with death and shootings and violence and all this stuff, and then they're supposed to be like, Sorry, ma'am, but you went 90 in a 70 and they're supposed to communicate that to you while you're telling them, no, I didn't and blah, 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 and all this stuff. 
It's just a recipe for disaster. <laughs> How anybody does that job is beyond me. No, it's like, have you ever had to confront a child when they're misbehaving? Ugh. Or if you're like a manager at work and you have to like bring the truth to someone who's not doing what they're supposed to be doing, it's never like fun for the person delivering the news. And uh, you can only hope that they respond in a non-belligerent manner, but that's that's just human nature. Right. People don't like being confronted and told what to do. Uh, a scout in a Bradley again says, you need to watch some Switch episodes. It's a YouTube channel. I saw in the comments, someone said that's like where uh, police uh, swap places with citizens or something like that. I don't know. You guys clarify. My boyfriend watches Audit the Audit. I don't know if you guys have heard of that YouTube channel where they go and, like I said, uh, police officers like get audited for different calls and stuff that they do. And this YouTube guy like goes over the police interaction and he rates the citizen and the police officer on like an A through F scale about how well they did in the interaction and like what laws and what rights you can use. It's very interesting. I recommend you guys check it out. And there's plenty of bad police officers on that channel, and there's plenty of horrible citizens on that channel as well. There's a lot. Okay. Um, user Rick says, Amala for president. Thank you. So, in about how many? 20, how old am I now? Eight. Yeah, in another 15 years. Amala <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Tucker Carlson. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, Dicks and butts. Again, all I know is every time I see somebody, quote unquote, not resisting, it seems to be a pretty violent non-resistance. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Just, you know, chill out. Chill out. Why would you ever resist in a situation like that? Oh, my gosh. Sammy RN, again, says ex-cons should be able to vote. Our government doesn't let them because they know their penal system is failing. They don't, quote unquote, rehab people. They just let them in and out doing the same things over and over. Super sad. Yeah, I think there needs to be a, sh a strong mixture of discipline and rehabilitation in uh, the prison system, especially like a lot of people think prison and they're like violent, violent crimes. It's rapists and murderers. And that's all that's in there. And a lot of times that's not the case at all. It's a lot of nonviolent offenders who are in prison and just like. And what do you do? Like, what do you do for all that time you're sitting there? And, you know, some have started with like classes and you can get your GED and you can learn a new skill and all these different things. I think that's great. I think that's something that should be uh, allowed. The issue becomes, you know, if it's like taxpayer funded and people are saying, I don't want my taxpayer dollars going to something like this. But maybe you would if uh, the rates of people getting out of prison and committing the same crime over and over went down because we made those changes, which I don't know. I haven't looked into it enough, but it sounds all right to me. Rosa Maria just sends a little emoji of a cat saying hello or something. So thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Love that. Uh, Diva Dawn again. It's not about dehumanizing ex-cons, but they're wanting to strip police officers of their guns. But how many of them had a gun threatening a life? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It'd be hard to know. With ex-convicts is such a large pool of people. You have people who uh, are in for drugs and solicitation and white-collar crimes and all this different stuff. You have people who are in for fraud. And there's just a, a, a lot of different things that you could possibly be uh, an ex-con for outside of just being a violent person or somebody who used a firearm on a police officer. Uh, although I would never advocate that police officers be unarmed. Uh, that just makes no sense to me. Pagan Prepper says, I am a conservative. I support any police officer who follows the Constitution and recognizes our rights. I want more of them. Solid. Love to hear that. It's a good way to uh, break it down. Robert 
Kiefner again says, I forgot to say much love from Florida. Stay toasty. <laughs> hey, that's where I'm from. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Nicola Rose says, uh, it seems to me like a lot of these issues come down to a matter of either respect or disrespect. P.S. Has there been any update regarding Nashville? Any update regarding the Nashville shooting? Like the shooter, yeah. You know, not that I've seen. No manifesto, manifesto, no nothing. Yeah, hashtag release the manifesto. No, I have not seen an update there uh, really at all. No. And yeah, I agree with you. It does seem to be a matter of respect and disrespect in most cases. Not in all of them. Uh, Ram Tiger Falcon. That's a cool name. Uh, Ha, I made it at the end. Now I'm desperate to know something important. What are the lyrics in your opening song, please? Okay, it's Young Apollo with the, and then it cuts out, and it's dun, 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 dun. (laughs) I think, I think that's the lyrics. That's our best guess. That's another one we get pretty often. Yeah, that is our best guess. Some of you guys say you hate the intro music. How do you guys feel about the intro music? Let me know in the chat. I am reading it. Do you guys hate the intro music or do you guys like it? Should we keep it around? I think it slaps. Uh, <laughs> Nick Tyler says, "Blue one, Blue Denim needs to call for backup for his arguments. <laughs> Two, <That's good. laughs> Louisville, Kentucky here. The Kentucky Derby is coming up May 6th. When I tune in next week, I'm going to ask which horse you each would like me to bet for you. Uh, three, Brett okay. Cooper when. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about Kentucky, Kentucky Derby horses. So I wouldn't be able to tell you. Um, okay, all of you guys are saying the intro goes hard for the most part, except a couple of you that said meh. Uh, so, whatever, you guys. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll, we'll have to hard. pull up the list of horses and just choose one next week when you ask. Yeah, I guess so, because I, I have no idea. I have no idea what horses. So, whichever one has the coolest name. Yeah. Lucky. L- whichever one's named Lucky, I'm sure there's one of them in there. It's got to be a thing. <laughs> it's got to be a thing. Rational. Whichever one's named is rational. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Logical. Um, Jen, G-E-N, mind you, said, I live in a city where cops get jumped, but is that televised? Never. No, you never hear of police officers getting hit in the face or brutalized on their job or really even dying a lot of the times. That doesn't make national news. But other way around, always, always a national news story. That guy, one of the police officers in this video said, I've had two people in my department lost in the last two months. That's insane. That is insanity. Did you hear that on the national news? No, you did not. Crazy. Yeah, yeah I'd be curious what to see what those numbers actually are of police lives yeah. lost on the job. I could probably look into that. I can probably give it a quick little Google search. Okay. Should we wait or should I go ahead? No, you should go to the next one. one. Okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh, just, wow. Just you guys gonna, wait here while I silently yeah. type. <laughs> tick, tick, tick. <laughs> okay. Uh, Samantha Byers says, our current cultural war is right out of Karl Marx's handbook. Things that should be black and white are not, and things that need context are being forced into one-size-fits-all boxes propaganda. I miss that because I was Googling how many police officers <laughs> <laughs> She says well, our our current culture or war is right out of Karl Marx's handbook. Things that should be black and white or not, and things that need context are being forced into one-size-fits-all boxes. Oh, yes. It's propaganda. You are right, and we're being all set inside of stupid hierarchy that makes no sense where we judge each other and call each other privileged or underprivileged. And ugh. Karl Marx, yeah. he made a lasting impact. We're You're speaking my language here. I'm, I'm obsessed with... Uh, Getting Marxism. to the bottom of all these ideologies. <laughs> he is, he's things. like postmodernist podcast and Marxist influence. James Lindsay. Yeah. James Lindsay, he's crazy on Twitter, but 
he's like so based on his podcast so uh he can unpack this stuff like nobody else and it's mind-blowing um just the way he can explain how everything that we're seeing now traces back to these ideologies and uh the script's already written so um Catherine Gilliland says, Amala and Taylor, your parents must be super proud of you. Love the religion and beliefs. A beautiful thing. Thank you. I guess she's talking to me. She's talking to you, yeah, Taylor. That one's, that one's a Taylor one. I don't have a religion, guys, but that's okay. <laughs> but I do. And yeah. Scott does. So we're representing everybody. On and all show. of our parents are proud. Yes. <laughs> uh, Stevie Capone says, I was wondering if you had a chance to look into having Chingo Blingo on the show. Who? There are so many topics you could discuss as it relates to current events and culture. Who? I don't know, but I feel like Buddy the Elf. That's fun to say. I Chingo like... Blingo. Francisco. Is that a real person? Who is that? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, okay. Official Chingo Blingo. He's got 60K subs on Ladies YouTube. and... Oh. Jeez. Ooh. Sorry. I'll have to look into his stuff. I have not even. Yeah, it sounded it. like a joke, but that's. Uh, I know. I thought you were trolling me at first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Devin Living Good says the problem with all the debate on cops are the fact of understaffing is so great that they have to have low requirements to fill those positions. Yeah. And that's why it needs to be like. Honestly, I'm like, okay, if you pay cops more, make the training more extensive, then, you know, like people are not going, the bad people who just want to use it to like brutalize others or abuse their power are not going to be willing to go under the amount of training uh, that it takes to, to get to where they need to get. Um, yeah, so that's why the, the defund the police thing was the dumbest thing ever. Right. If you want less bad police, then right. resource them better for better training and mental health screenings and what have you, so just dumb uh which now apparently the left never supported defund the police as they're telling us and the new trend i'm seeing is like you saw chank uyghur from the the young turks mm -hmm. is like they're an anarchist experience too which i welcome it but they're all like anti-woke now and calling things out and they're like saying this does not represent the left and blah blah, blah. i'm like okay well you know you guys Funny. didn't say anything about this for like five years but right but um, here we are well, better late than never i guess uh anyways Lex says, sadly, a lot of bad police officers are not fired, though. They are sent to small towns. My friend was shot in the head and unalived by a small town cop. That is horrible. Horrific. I'm not. Yeah, I, I think I have heard stories of cops being like just put in a new department or just like moved around or whatever. And that's not OK. Uh, if you have done something that is illegal or that uh you should be terminated for it. termination is the answer and unfortunately like i said before it is really hard to fire some some cops uh lex again says you should make it unapologetic with the what but sounding the same i guess for the lyrics of the oh yeah song. well we just got our song off of uh epidemic sound this website where you can just get songs for without copyright issues for stuff so we didn't actually make that song guys sorry to disappoint <laughs> some guy on the internet <laughs> licenses that song we will people. consider submissions from the audience for new uh, intro songs, though. Heck so yeah. if you guys have some fire beats you want to send our way, uh, we'll check them out. We but will. don't be hurt if we don't choose them. <laughs> um, Celestial Kawamoto says, would love to see you cover Self-Made Man. Super interesting and would love to hear your opinion on it. Appreciate all of you. Self-made man. And apparently it's not Chingo Blingo. It's Chingo Bling. <laughs> oh. Sorry. 
Sorry. Well, they they wrote an O at the end of the blame. Self, so, uh, self-made man. Yeah, is that a podcast or Never something? I feel like it. I've heard of this know. before. I don't know what that is. Okay, well, we'll we'll check it out and get back. Oh, to Nora you. Vincent. That's the lady who pretended to be uh, a man. Oh yeah. Gotcha. Oh, that's come up before on the show. It has. Interesting. Okay. A scout in the Bradley again says most police hate the media because they lie too much. Last year, 230 officers died. That's a lot. So if that's the number, that is it's horrendous. It's a hefty number. It's more than black people who died at the hands of officers. Way more. Yeah. Exponentially yep. more than that. Uh, Robert Kiefner again says, the way I see it, I made a choice. The officer is doing a job. Queen Amala, Star Wars reference. Oh, <laughs> Queen Amidala, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> um, reform our prisons. The intro is sweet. I vote for Brett Cooper collab. Don't break the law. <laughs> love that. It's like a cramming as many yeah. points into one. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, he, he was the $50 super chatter, so you can right. do whatever you want. Today. <laughs> Today's your day. <laughs> it's your world. We're just living in it. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Did we miss any others? We got one more from Nick Tyler. The less you know about horses, the better your chances. It's better to be lucky than good at the Derby. Pick your favorite name and color. I'll put in $5 to win for each one of you so that you'll have a pony to cheer on. <laughs> okay. That's Why not? Nice. That's yeah. very nice, Nick Tyler. Or That's you fun. have a gambling problem and we are, in fact, enabling you to uh, perpetuate this gambling problem. In that case, let us know in the comments down below if you have a gambling problem. <laughs> well, you know how everyone who goes to the Kentucky Derby like dresses all fancy? We should that day. We should all dress up in really? our derby outfits and then uh, do. Oh, we just have derby outfits sitting around. Yeah. <laughs> we should all dress up in our derby outfits. <laughs> you know, I'm sure. I'm sure you guys do. Scott's Scott's best dressed, and oh no, you're you're all fashionable. I'm, I'm the scrub of the group. Yeah, I've got but. a derby outfit lying somewhere. <laughs> uh, Stevie Capone says Chicago bling, not blingo. Lord have mercy, guys. Latino conservative rapper and comedian based out of Houston. If you're interested, let me know. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, Nick and then Tyler. this looks like the last one. Yeah. Nick Tyler says gambling's only a problem if you lose. Ah, my God. <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> that is the spirit. <laughs> well, guys, that is our show for today. We made the Super Chats rule and you still kept us here another 40 minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> the Super Chat rule did not exactly work. We're going to work on that. Uh, for now, the rule stands as it is. Thank you guys so much for watching. Leave a comment down below how you felt about this ongoing debate around police versus ex-convicts. Drop a comment down below. As always, we encourage healthy debate. There seemed to be much debate in the live chat happening today. So have fun. I'm sure the libertarians are going to have much to say about the police force uh so go ahead and debate it out guys we'll be back tomorrow with a video about a woman demanding reparations from target a thousand dollars worth you guys will get to see how that turned out for her and i'll give you a spoiler not good uh so that'll be out uh tomorrow and then we'll be back friday for the live show we're here every monday wednesday friday 3 p.m uh, Pacific 6 p.m. Eastern, normally for an hour or two where we hang out with you guys and talk about everything that's going on. Thank you so much for watching. Please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time we post a video for you guys, which is every single day. Also, we just got a $20 super chat from Dorothy Manley. Thank you so much. No message, but it was her first super chat. So thank you so much uh, for, for joining the show and supporting us. We love you all, each and every one of you, and we'll see you tomorrow.